The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. You know, it's fascinating. You look at the interview that uh, um, CNS News did with me, and uh, they also uh, queried Ibrahim Hooper. And I made the point that it's sort of bizarre that if the President of the United States and the White House want to celebrate our faith and recognize Islam, they have an iftar dinner. Doesn't it seem sort of shameless, if not uh, bizarrely, against the spirit of Ramadan to say not Trump's iftar? Remember, President Trump is our president. He's having a recognition of that spiritual breaking of a fast that means a lot to us Muslims. So I just didn't understand the the in-your-face protestations, which I can't find any element that would appeal to a Islamic tradition where the Prophet Muhammad, we are taught, would even seek to have repeated conversations to treat with respect even those who are atheists or pagans who rejected Islam and otherwise, that if, if truly you believe Islam is an, is an open faith, Muslims are open to engagement. If the president of your country decides to have an iftar, you then protest it simply cheap. You, you then simply hold a cheap protest. That's bizarre. It would seem to me to be un-Islamic. And then when Hooper hears this, and I asked for their fatwa, he responds with four Quranic quotations, two of which, by the way, are also on our homepage, <laughs> and not on his homepage, by the way, at the Council on American Islamic Relations. But, but ultimately, he puts the one that we have, which is at the top of our website. It says, O you who believe, stand out firmly for justice as witnesses to God, even as against yourselves or your parents or your kin, and whether it be against rich or poor. Chapter 4, verse 135. Now, He's using that and then a few other passages from the Quran. Nothing about Ramadan. Nothing about the spirit of an interfaith iftar, which is really what I was talking about. This is just about general principles. So these guys can exploit an attempt by our president of our country. Now, I certainly think that it would be appropriate at the iftar dinner to demand that prisoners of conscience be released, that you hold these tyrannies accountable. But in our own country... If you love being American and you're patriotic and you're president, and this is similar actually to the sentiment. Uh, now, I'm not saying that I endorse all the behavior of President Trump about the way he responded to the Philadelphia Eagles and other things, but the exploitation of a national moment that we come together, the anthem, the, the uh, visiting of the White House, things that are done to transcend partisan differences in which sports athletes go and regardless of the party in the White House participate in a respectful ceremony in which they honor the winner of the Super Bowl, the winner of the NBA Finals, on and on. Just like the National Anthem honors our country at the beginning of every game. But no, it has been cheapened to a issue of the day exploitation for political one-upsmanship. So, if Colin Kaepernick wants to make a point about police brutality, 
then everybody's supposed to divert now he may have a point we don't want to even get into the debate about that but don't we all have 10 12 issues that we care about that i care about that you care about from uh any minority disputes to uh to uh um, a, a whole host of issues to health care taxation defense foreign policy so many things are we are we all going to be kneeling for various issues it doesn't make sense Should the entire audience turn their back because of whatever issues they believe in? There are things that are just not germane to political division and balkanization. And I felt that the iftar dinner was that. And uh, Hooper's response with passages to CNS News about his fetwa proves that he does think he's an armchair uh, uh, cleric. He does believe that his Islam is the only Islam. And he does believe that he can use the platform of Muslim representation, of Islamic respect for his own Hamas ophelia, his own agenda, and his own anti-Semitism and disgustingly anti-American approach to who we are as American Muslims. So I think their entire protests sort of proved how low their movements are uh, it uh, has proven uh, to have had no impact whatsoever um, now i hope the white house iftar evolves into a representation of reformers of dissidents of those who reject the islamist mantra we'll see i'm not exactly enamored by having it be another opportunity to say that the Muslim dictators of the world represent Muslims. So, another thing I think, speaking of dictators, a story came out this week at fastcompany.com, and, you know, they really made a point I've made actually multiple times on Twitter, which is, why doesn't Twitter suspend the Iranian president's Twitter account? He blocks every other user in the entire country from using Twitter. He constantly puts out tweets about basically invoking genocide against the Jewish people, talking about destroying Israel, talking about Jews in a way that is profane and inhumane. And yet, Twitter continues to actually give him a blue check mark. And, and endorse in many ways his ability to use their platform. So what is Twitter's policy? talking about or facebook's policy when it comes to which voices it will suppress and which ones it doesn't this is why the slippery slope of hate speech they're getting into right now uh, deleting accounts and other things i completely agree with the limitation and the removal of privileges by those who invoke violence but i do have a a, a problem with the belief that certain speech becomes hate speech because we're finding that the Palestinian mantras are, are given a huge leeway to, to promote things that I feel at times is militaristic and terroristic, while the pro-democracy, the pro-Israel advocates find themselves often banned. I think it has to do with those who do the filtering. Last, speaking of which, 
This week we saw as the soccer world enters the last week before World Cup 2018, which, by the way, is going to be held in Russia, you saw a protest. Argentina was set to play Israel in Jerusalem. Now, initially it was in Haifa, and there were reports that there was no controversy. They were going to play them in Israel. And then ultimately they decided to move it to Jerusalem in a stadium there that was very fitting. And the BDS movement went into gear, and domestically in Argentina and around the world, you saw threats of violence. You saw bloody shirts of the lead player, one of the, the most um, renowned soccer player on the planet, being waved as in, in a threatening fashion. And the players, one by one, said they would not go to Jerusalem. So the game was canceled. So this BDS movement, the boycott, divest movement of of militant radicals who claim to be peaceful, I think proved what they're all about. They're a bunch of hypocritical, cheap, anti-Semitic folks who love to light matches on radical Islamists and bully folks into trying to marginalize Israel. And I think, you know, they were high-fiving one another and saying that the cancellation of a match was a proof that they are winning, when in fact, I think in the long term, it's a loss for the Palestinian people. It proves the radicalism of BDS and exposes the cheapness of their movement. Because if they were not hypocrites, and if they wanted... Now, I'm totally against the exploitation of sports events, as I mentioned before. I am against the exploitation of sports events for a political movement. I think especially when you're talking international games that ultimately can be the substrate of bringing countries together and bringing about reform. So I say, game on, forget the politics, forget even the inhuman disgraces that can happen in the prisons of Saudi Arabia, in the prisons of Qatar, Iran, and elsewhere. Sports is sports. So, Yet, the Argentinians pulled out from a match before it was going to go to the World Cup coming up next week in Russia. So if ever there was a reason Muslims and people of conscience should boycott, it should be not going to the entire World Cup in Moscow. The genocide in Syria would not have been half of what it is today if it weren't for the Russian bolstering of Bashar Assad and his killing machines. Assad would have ended a long time ago. And the Putin strategy of thousands of their troops bolstering and protecting the Assad regime, allowing Hezbollah and militants to come from Iran, the Iranian Republican Guard, allowing Sunni militants from Chechnya to come down and fight with ISIS to legitimize further destruction of the Syrian society. All of this has proven that Russia is an evil actor in Syria. And yet we're going to go cheer on. The world will be clapping as the World Cup takes place in Moscow and in Russia. So there's a hypocrisy there. The only de true democracy in the Middle East, Israel, Argentina pulls out. And let's not forget Argentina back when the bombing 
of the Jewish center, the synagogue, happened in 94, they still haven't brought whoever committed that to justice. We know that Iran, Hezbollah, and others have influenced what happened there. So this is a country that I think has still has amends to make for some of what it's allowed to happen on its soil in the way of anti-Semitism and acts of violence against them. But at the end of the day, they acquiesced. They bowed to pressure. And what does that tell Arab militants? It tells them that they get a veto. They get a right to do whatever they want to suppress the free world from recognizing Jerusalem as the capital, to recognize Israel as a regular, normal country and democracy. And they say, oh, it's about human rights, when in fact their hypocrisy is legion. Their hypocrisy when it comes to their own Islamist regimes, when it comes to Russia next week with the World Cup, is legion. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network.